Welcome to You Need a Coach Bitch with Chris Hale. I'm your host, Chris Hale. I'm a certified life coach that helps queer creatives take their passion, turn it into a purpose, and get paid. If you're looking to make an impact on the world with your work by dismantling internalized oppressive thought systems, by using coaching, spirituality, and a lot of cursing, you are in the right place. So let's get to work. Hey, bitches. <laughs> uh, is that how I'm going to start every podcast? It might be. Um, but I think it's perfect. Anyway, welcome to You Need a Coach, Bitch. I am Chris Hale, and I am your host. This podcast has been a long time coming, and it's gone through several name changes and concept iterations, and I finally decided that it was go time after arriving on this current title which obviously is a riff off of Britney's work bitch, which is where it came from. That was the inspiration. It was like, if you want a Maserati and you want a Bugatti, you actually need a, you need a life coach, but that's not quite as impactful as you need a coach bitch. And it actually reminds me of that episode of friends where I think Rachel and Phoebe are talking about um, Phoebe's concept for like a traveling massage parlor and they're calling it Relaxy Taxi. And <laughs> I think Rachel shouts out the name and Phoebe's mad. And Rachel's like, I came up with it. And Phoebe's like, you know, you came up with Relaxy Cab. That's not good. And Rachel's like, no, it's Relaxy Cab, like Taxi Cab. And Phoebe's like, oh, yeah, that is better. <laughs> so, you know, titles matter sometimes. I think they just click. And you need a coach, bitch. Really clicked with me. So here we are, finally. A little bit about me if you don't know me, which if that's the case and you somehow stumbled upon me, like I'm delighted that you're here and welcome. But I am a certified life coach. I'm a master dance instructor with over 25 years of experience teaching and choreographing around the world. And if you've seen a picture of me and you're wondering, yes, I did start when I was three because I'm in fact only 28 years old. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm 41. But I did start young. I started teaching when I was 15. I did have what I would consider a successful dance career. Although my claim to fame is that I had five lines on an episode of Sex in the City. (laughs) Um, You can look that up. I also ran a training program in New York City. I've been a soul cycle instructor. I was a real estate agent. I like to say that I collect certifications. So if there's something that I fell in love with that um, I'm vibing on, I like immediately want to get certified in it. Anyway, now in addition to being a coach instructor, I have my own coaching practice where I help Q plus creatives turn their passion into a purpose to get paid. I'm still working on a better way to say that, but I think it's important to talk about the money part, because so often as creatives, we have been taught to think about finances in a way that doesn't serve us. It can be very difficult to overcome that when we're making a shift into being an entrepreneur. And so that is going to be one of the main focuses of this podcast, like unpacking all your thoughts about money and your worth and value. And the main reason I want to empower queer creatives is because if I can help you elevate yourself and your business, it uplifts our entire community. And we start not only building our own tables, but getting seats at tables where our voices are absent and much needed. 
So today on this first episode, I want to give you something you can take away and start working on immediately. A lot of you out there have ideas about how you can take the skills you have and turn them into something profitable, but you aren't taking action. This is something that holds a lot of creatives back when we're thinking about putting something out there that we need to attach a monetary value to, like for an exchange. And I want to offer that a big part of that is because you have not given yourself permission to do so. You're waiting for someone else to validate or co-sign your idea instead of being your own authority and deciding to pick one of the many brilliant ideas you have and just start creating and putting it into the world. You're waiting for someone or something outside of you to tell you that your work is worth it and what it should be valued at. So this is the thing about being a creative and being a, a creative entrepreneur is that you get to be the authority. You get to decide what you create and what its value is. And that's even if you work for someone else, because you are still choosing. It's a decision that you've made to create within that space. So it still is your choice. Now, I know this story about handing over my authority so well because it's my story. I have an extremely long history of looking outside of myself for answers. And I think for good reason, right? Um, That's actually what brought me to coaching. I read A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle in like 2008, thanks to my girl, Oprah. And that really transformed my way of thinking. A lot of what I teach today can be found in that book. And it's and it's not even that what he was writing was completely original. I mean, most of it is like philosophy that's been around for hundreds of years, but I was ready for the message. But even after reading that book and doing like the course that Oprah and Eckhart offered, I still had this lack of authority in my own life. So from there, I went from teacher to teacher looking for answers and I would pedestalize people And their word became my truth. And it was like Louise Hay and Wayne Dyer and Marianne Williamson, my chiropractor, my my homeopath, even Lady O, right? Like, and my husband would joke and he'd be like, well, who are we, who are we following this week? And at the time I was uh, kind of offended by it, but it was so true. Every week I was like living entirely by someone else's word and someone else's truth and not my own. I didn't even think I was allowed to like take this information in and maybe like transform it into my own voice. It was like, no, we are listening to these people and what they say is that's it. It is the capital T truth. But what I realized now looking back is that I was looking for one of them to tell me how I could stop being me because I was in pain and I was looking for a way out of that pain. And obviously It was my fault. I was the problem. And I had dealt with depression and anxiety my entire life, but I was in a pretty intense depression cycle at the time I read A New Earth, and I thought I had finally found the answer. I had finally found the thing that was going to help me stop being me and get me out of this pain. Cut to now. I I know now that being out of pain is not necessarily the goal. Um... Right now, I strive to have a better relationship with pain. I believe that life is 50-50, that we will have a mix of positive and negative emotions. 
Um, and that's just part of the human experience. But at the time, I was convinced, like a lot of us, that my goal was to be feeling good for the majority of my life. And that if I felt bad, something had gone terribly wrong and I needed to solve for any negative emotion that came up. So cut to 2019. And I'm looking for a life coach certification because, again, I like to collect certifications. And it had been something I'd been wanting to do for a while. And I found the Life Coach School podcast by Brooke Castillo. And again, something clicked there. And it felt like I was finally being given an um, instruction manual for how to apply all this information I had been gathering over the years. And within three months of being a listener, I was signed up for certification. And I will say, I did walk into that training still believing there was an outside authority. But it was in that training that, that really taught me how to actually become my own. And I think... The first thing we need to understand is why we have not been our own authority. We are programmed to assess things and learn how to fit into the world that we inhabit. It's a safety mechanism. It's survival. So most people are operating with some sort of outside authority. Our parents, our friends, our churches, our partners. But the messaging that they received and we are receiving daily comes from society. We're absorbing those messages of a patriarchal, white supremacist, heteronormative culture. And we as queer people, and I'm also a person of color, we absorb these messages all day that we are different and wrong and the world we inhabit is not made to benefit us and that we don't belong. The underlying message there is that we are not operating in alignment with what the status quo has decided is correct, so therefore we are wrong. Someone else is better and knows better. This sets us up to constantly be looking outside of ourselves for answers because we can't possibly know what is right for us if we have gotten it so wrong from the beginning just by being us. And now everyone is receiving these messages, but when you are a marginalized person, a queer person, a black person, a person of color, a fat person, a woman, a disabled person, I think that these messages have a greater impact because ours isn't the dominant narrative. When we look out into the world and we're not being represented as people who have authority, like we're not seeing our stories told by people like us. People like us are not getting book deals. That is one of the ways in which cis white people, especially cis white women in the self-help and wellness space, continue to be seen as experts. They are given the opportunity to have their message out in the world. So it makes sense that queer people of color are not naturally going to believe that like we can be our own authority and that we are the expert and maybe not for everybody, but at least for ourselves. Like, are we at the top of the list of the experts for our own lives? Usually not. I know I wasn't. So like we have this going on for us from day one, and then we enter into a craft that becomes our means of expression. Um, and for me, that was dance, right? And there are these, there's rules within that craft. So not only were the societal norms being fiercely upheld there for me in dance, like ballet specifically is extremely heteronormative. Um, my gender was constantly being policed. There are also these hierarchical structures that start very early, right? Like we are considered subordinate and we need to respect and fear the authority of our teacher, right? The ballet master knows what is best. And there are these ideal bodies and physical expressions that we're all trying to attain. 
and we're getting messages like someone else will always be better than you. And we're taught to compare ourselves and hold ourselves sometimes to completely unrealistic standards. And I'm not sure, but I believe it's probably similar for visual arts and music. It's even in sports, right? Where these rules, while some of them are super important, especially like for our physical well-being, like as a dancer, some of these rules are helping me stay healthy in my body. But some of them are just holding us back unconsciously because they're blocking us from our own creativity. And then perfectionism can sneak in here. Um, and I'll probably do an episode, I mean, maybe an entire like like episode arc on this topic because perfectionism is like one of the probably the main debilitating things um, for most people. Um, but because there is a standard and meeting those standards gets rewarded, um, there's this belief that if we do all the right things and work within the boundaries set up, that we can attain this quote-unquote perfection. Um, and this, you know, just permeates the whole experience and all of these things come together and affect our ability to like be in the space and be our own creative authority. And I will say this doesn't just affect people that have had formal training. Um, it affects people who have also not had formal training right? Because that's when imposter syndrome can come in, right? Well, I haven't had that training. So obviously they know something I don't know. So my work can't possibly be of value or any good. So where these things intersect, right? Uh, Societal norms and rules of the patriarchy, the rules of your craft, and any kind of perfectionism, it's why so many of you are not taking action or are undervaluing devaluing your work. So not only are you not creating the art you want to create, but you're also not creating wealth for yourself. And I just have to say that like these things, right, if you're freaking out and you're like, oh my God, like how do I like deal with this? It's like these things are not conscious. So what I help people do is bring awareness to it so that they can address it. The ways in which it shows up is in our thoughts, right? So at times, We think we're just making observations about what's going on in the world, but in fact, it's just like default programming. So in the context of creating and putting our work out in the world, your thoughts can sound like, no one is going to want this, people will judge it, it's not very good, my work is not original, no one will want to pay for this, (laughs) right? So these thoughts are happening in your head, but they didn't come from you, they were handed to you, right? Again, they're... They're part of systems of oppression that are meant to keep you from succeeding, right? Because you succeeding as a queer person, as a black person, as a woman, right, is going to upset the standard. So when we think about freeing ourselves from this, it's it, it's really like deeply entrenched stuff that we can only ever take on one thought at a time, one circumstance at a time. So an example is like social media is the perfect place for creatives to market themselves, right? To build a following, to start to learn how to monetize what they do. But if you're noticing that you are hesitating to create or to post about your work online, one of the first things you can do is just ask yourself the question, why am I not taking action? And then listen for the answer. 
it's going to be one of two things, like a feeling or a thought. So your brain might offer you like, well, I'm afraid. Well, like just sit with that for a second and see how that feels in your body. It's just, it's just a vibration, fear, joy, all of it, right? That's just what an emotion is. So like, if that's what you're afraid of, right, is that feeling, well, we can be with that. The next thing you can do, though, is ask yourself why. So maybe your brain offers you, like, I'm afraid of what people will think. So now we've identified a thought that is holding you back. So we can keep exploring that thought further. Well, what could people think? And the answer to that, right, could be anything, right? There are lots of things people could think. But our brains are hardwired to focus on the negative. It's a survival mechanism, right? Choosing to believe that people might love it is not going to be our default because that's not useful if we're talking about survival, right? So it's probably going to offer you some kind of terrible, shitty, worst-case scenario. But here's the thing. We don't have to believe everything that our brain tells us. So if the worst thing that could happen from people not liking your work online is that you're going to feel bad, like, is that really a threat? It feels like a threat, especially to creatives, because we believe our work is us, but your work is not you. It's an expression of you that happened in a moment. It's a snapshot of your creativity, and it doesn't define you or the potential of your work. So the things that other people think about it are not about you, and you don't have to take them personally, and they don't have to like feel like an attack. They don't have to feel like a threat. Now, Again, if you're habituated to handing over your authority to others, when it comes to your work, you will find it difficult not to automatically attach worth to their words. And this is the work we all have to do. It starts with interactions with our brains like the one above. And it will be what ultimately has you make the shift into taking action from a place of your own authority, where you decide that your work and message has value and that it is important for the world to receive it. So... That's what you're going to work on this week. You're going to work on you claiming your own creative authority. That's all I have today, folks. I hope what you got, what you came for, and a little bit more. If you are loving what you're hearing here on You Need a Coach Bitch, please subscribe, like, and share with your friends. And if you want more information on how you can work with me one-on-one, go to theonlychrishale.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at the only Chris Hale.